Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name is Melissa. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. A lot of the things that we talk about and do here on Raising Playful Tots and on my parenting site play-activities.com have the underlying idea that you'll do them with your partner, that you'll be united. Contributions don't work well if everyone isn't on board in the family. Appreciation boards won't work if a partner thinks that they're a waste of time. Independent play can't thrive if one partner schedules out the whole week. Many parents write in saying they are not in the same place. For whatever reason, there's not the unity in parenting that they want or hope for. Parenting is hard. Relationships are tough to maintain or re-establish when you have children. We have to be intentional. We spend a lot of time talking about family life and today we're focusing on our partner, our spouse, our relationship. The way we get on together really impacts our family. Whether we feel we're doing it alone, we have the support, or we feel like we don't understand why they want to do things that way. If we're not working together, family atmosphere and family life is harder. It's really hard to thrive in a situation where you're not united in common goals. But how do you do that? I'm excited to talk to Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo about maintaining relationships, marriage, the art of balancing kids, the spouse, and not forgetting yourself. This is a frank interview, so we get down into some parent bedroom topics, so you might want to listen without little ears. You might want to plug in those headphones and not listen with kids in the car. Just saying. I'm excited because we don't skirt around issues. Tony and Elisa share how they've moved through the ups and downs of their relationship. Listen out for the encouragement for families with young children who are touched out but want to grow closer to their partner and how to get started again. If you've put your relationship on the back burner, there's this and lots more. After the interview, I'll share some resources that support our relationships so that we can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. Today I'm talking to Tony and Elisa DeLorenzo, who are best-selling authors and hosts of the world's number one marriage podcast, One Extraordinary Marriage. They've built two businesses while raising children and share their tips on maintaining relationships, marriage, and the art of balancing kids, the spouse, and not forgetting yourself. I just want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be with you and your audience today. Yeah, thank you very much. So today I wanted to talk about our relationships, our marriages, all while raising children. So here's the first question. How have you shifted the emphasis with the relationship with your spouse and the relationship with your children from when they were little babies until now? Oh, that's a great question. Just so your audience knows, we currently have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. And so we have, we've run the full gamut of when our son was a newborn, the entire world revolved around him. I think it was probably nine months before we went on a date. Um, And for those of you listening, we don't ever recommend that at all. We Mm -hmm. were in 
um, relationship starvation mode by the time we actually got to go out on a date or by the time we, I got over myself to leave my son with somebody else and uh-huh. go out on a date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now here we are 13 years later and our kids are practically pushing us out the door. Like <laughs> it's been too many days. You guys need to go out, you know, and they talk in days now, not weeks, you know, and it was one of those things where we had to learn. And it's what we teach our audience as well is that if, we didn't have a strong marriage. If we didn't set the example of what marriage looks like for our kids, then what was going to be the legacy 20, 30 years from now when they have their own children, what are they going to model? Well, they're only going to model what they know. And so we had to create a marriage where the marriage was first, the primary relationship, and then the children. Right. That's good. And Tony, what about you? Man, I would say as they've gone older, it's gotten easier in many respects. Um, you know, we, we have so many friends who do have the youngins, uh, the toddlers, the first time walkers. And I am just like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I love the stage we're in. So, you know, for, for us now, um, it, it's just being intentional about finding that time still, right. you know, no matter what stage you're in with your kids, you need to be intentional about finding time to get away alone, be it a quick coffee break where you have maybe the neighborhood sitter who can just stop by or you're taking off for a weekend and sending the kids to the parents or somewhere else so you guys can have some time alone. Excellent. So you guys have been very open when you've been talking about your relationship on your podcast and through all the work that you do, which is great because I think we can all identify with you know many of the things that you guys are going through. What have been some of your struggles that you've had to overcome in your own marriage? Wow. Yeah. So we're going on 20 years of marriage. And so there's, there's been a number of things that we've gone through. And, you know, one of the biggest ones that we face, I felt like for Elisa and I both was the loss of our second child. Mm. We had had, um, our firstborn. He was at the time. He had just turned two. He had just turned two and we lost our second child. And that was such a difficult and low moment for both of us mm. that really I didn't, I didn't know if we would get out of it. Right. And um, through the grace of God and just being willing to just continue to grow ourselves, we didn't, we didn't know what we know now, um, but just that journey of just allowing ourselves to grieve and through the grieving process, we came out of it. Um, but that was, that was really a low point, I think for, for me, because Elisa went into a depression where it was very hard for her to talk, um, even get out of bed. So that led me to a point of, uh, frustration, um, with her not being able to talk. Uh, she was very closed off, uh, which led to, uh, frustration with our two-year-old because he would cry. Mom wasn't there. I was left to, Uh, handle putting them to bed and stuff. So that was a very difficult time for us. Yeah. And so what was um, some of your first steps towards doing something different so that you weren't in that struggle so much? Well, it actually, so Andrew died um, the day after Alex's second birthday. So December 13th and December 14th. Mm -hmm. And four months later I was pregnant again. And, and who knows how that even happened? Yeah, I'm, not I, sure. I, I'm not sure we were even having sex that often. So for her to get pregnant was, 
we joke that on some level she's got to be an immaculate conception. I'm not, really sure. not sure where that happened. And that was a really, you know, for anyone that has gone through miscarriage or the loss of a child, the next pregnancy is fraught with all kinds of emotions. And, and so I was still very closed off uh, at that point in time. And and it really, it was a three-year journey because mm-hmm. when Abby turned, right around the time that she was turning three, Alex offhandedly said to her, you know, an older brother, Will, you have a brother in heaven. Uh-huh. And then she just looks at me and she's like, well, how did he get to go there first? Like, this was the prize. And why, why did somebody get to go there before her? And it was in her questioning that, you know, we started, you know, because I'd been going through the motions for probably her first three years. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would we would connect, we'd talk and, you know, things would be happening. But as she's turning three, that was the same year that we did our 60 days of sex challenge. Okay. Those two things happened mm-hmm. in the same year. And so she starts asking all of these questions about this brother that got to go to heaven before her. And at the same time, Tony and I are experiencing this journey where, you know, we'd gone from being roommates to saying, you know what, we're going to be really deliberate and intentional about our marriage for 60 days because we were leading a small group at our church on marriage. And we decided that we were going to tackle, not the whole group, but we ourselves as a couple, we're going to tackle this challenge. And so those two things were colliding in our lives. And it was, it was the perfect situation for us to say, you know what, we're on this path to healing. We're going to be one of those couples that say, you know what, divorce is not an option for us. And so we're going to come up with different strategies to move through. And that was really, you know, that year was the year that changed everything Mm -hmm. for who we are as a couple and what we do in our lives. Well, so you had a lot of things that were happening and yet you were taking action on a lot of things too. Tell us a little bit more about the challenge. So, you know, as Tony said, Abby was kind of like, we're not even sure how, how she was conceived because of the fact that, you know, after the loss of Andrew, we drifted so far apart. I mean, I just, I had walls up that were probably a mile thick, um, Mm -hmm. just guarding my heart and and grieving. And so, you know, here we are, we're living two years later, we're living as roommates and we'd been selected to lead the small group at our church on marriage. And Tony calls me one day and he's like, Hey, let's talk about sex. And you know, Melissa, I remember looking at the phone going, we're not having sex. Like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> right? like, and, yeah. and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, we're not having sex. So let's talk about it <laughs> and let's start getting it open. Like, let, yes. let's get it out there, you know? So sort of that, you know, he said, she said, and where our minds were in that yeah, moment. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And so in that, you know, we knew the group study was going to be about eight weeks long. And so Tony gets the bright idea one night we're in bed just doing some research on it and he's like I think I think we should shoot for like 60 days of sex and I'm like no like it wasn't even I mean I the kids were two and five at the time you know almost three and six I'm like you're nuts like this is not happening and you know just as we rejected again as we sometimes do I went and put on a great you know lime green facial mask so that he knew that nothing was going to happen in that night. Like, forget it. But the next hour day, spent in the bathroom. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to go read a book. I was, I was, I was asleep by the time she came to bed. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the next morning I am, you know, in the garage, he's gone to work. I'm in the garage with a basket full of laundry and, you know, really just kind of had this prayer moment where I felt like God was saying to me, are you really, are you really not even going to try? Because if you're not going to try, then forget the roommate thing. Your marriage is over. 
Interesting. And so he comes home and I say yes. And, you know, we kind of outlined what that would look like for the 60 days because he suddenly, you know, when I said yes, he looked like a deer in the headlights, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like this was a, this was a sure no. Why is she yeah. saying yes now? Yes. Right. And from, from my standpoint was I was already beyond it. I was past, um, I'd learned over the years of our marriage that the rejection she would throw at me if I harbored it. I was just going to get frustrated. And so I learned over time to just let it go as quickly as I could. Right. And so for her saying yes was honestly a shock. And the other side of me was going, oh my gosh, how am I going to perform for 60 days straight? Like, right. what am I going to do in this time? And honestly, I was, I was a little scared, mm -hmm. maybe a lot scared. Yeah. And so... <laughs> We, we sat down though that evening and just sort of worked out the parameters. What does it look like for us so that we can have the most success possible during this time together and happy to say we did 40 out of 60 days Okay. and it wasn't like, oh my gosh, it was just the most wonderful thing. We, we were, we had some challenges along the way, mm -hmm. but the cool thing was that we had a goal together. We had something that we were, we were fighting for together and we were willing to stick up and stand up and complete it to the best of our ability. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't have anybody going, Oh, well you didn't do it today. You know, no, we, we just, we realized like if we missed a day that we needed to talk about it, what yeah. happened? Why did that not work out the way we expected? And that allowed for this amazing emotional growth that we had been missing the first 11 years of our marriage. Oh, that's amazing. It's a, uh, you have that challenge on your website. Is that correct? Yeah. Episode one is called the 60 okay. days of sex challenge. Yeah. So just one extraordinary marriage.com. And, um, you can just look on up the, you know, 60 days of sex and you'll find it. It'll pop up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Brilliant to be able to see that. That is just an amazing story of how you guys have come together and continued having the conversation, even though times are difficult. Well, and I think that's, that's the crux of marriage, mm -hmm. right? That, you know, every single one of us, you know, listening to the show, we're all going to face challenges in our families, in our marriages, with our kids, with our spouse, with our finances, whatever it is. And it's saying, you know what, just because things are hard right now, doesn't mean they're going to be hard forever. It means that we need to come together as a team. It's not, you know, husband versus wife or wife versus husband. It's, you know, we became one when we married. So it's us versus whatever the problem is. Mm -hmm. And tackling that instead of instead of doing battle. So often we run into couples who are doing battle with each other when really the challenges are their finances or their communication or their, you know, sex life. And we just need to we just need to identify the problem and fight that instead of each other. Right. Oh, that makes total sense. If we go back to those younger children, you know, the really little mm -hmm. ones, mm -hmm. and we talk to those sleep deprived parents who mm -hmm. are probably touched out from, you know, little kids all over them all day and they're struggling to find time with their partners. What are a few encouraging ideas you can give for them? Uh, can I start there? Yeah, go for it. Let me, I, I, I would say you got to find time during the day. Mm -hmm. You have to have those touches during the day because honestly, even now with where we're at in our lives, we can run around. I mean, our son plays football mm -hmm. and you know, three nights a week, he's practicing um, a fourth night is game night between what we have going on with our businesses, Elisa coaching, uh, taking our daughter to where she needs to be and this and that. 
I mean, honestly, most nights we hit the bed, we're pretty exhausted even now. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's not that we want to be there. It's just a season of life. Yeah. And so what Elisa and I have found over the years as kids were younger and even as where they are now is finding those times during the day where we can connect. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, you know, with work and everything, that doesn't mean we're face to face. It means we're picking up the phone and we're talking to each other. You know, if we can find that time, maybe when the kids get to school before we go to work, hey, maybe maybe we'll squeeze in some time to just make love. Right. Maybe it's we're going to get out and we're going to go for our walk and talks, which we do. You know, we try to do those twice a week and those are 30 minutes and we right. just get out and we walk and talk. The, the thing that I want to add, um, especially for you moms out there that, you know, your kids are little and you're running through your to do list because it seems like the list never ends. Is that you're always going to have the stuff on the to do list. You're always, you have kids, you're always going to have laundry. There's always going to be an empty refrigerator that needs to be filled. There's always going to be a bathroom that needs to be cleaned, especially if you have boys, you know, you're always going to have those things. You never have another opportunity to connect with your spouse. So if, if a pile of laundry sits for an extra hour because the two of you are just cuddled up on the couch or you're sitting on your back patio, just watching the stars, it's okay. You know, if, if you need to use paper plates tonight because you'd rather go for a walk than wash dishes, then use paper plates. Yeah. You know, I, I know some people would be like, that's wasteful. Okay, yeah, it does add a little <laughs> bit extra to the garbage. But you know what? That 20 minutes that I get to spend with Tony will actually be so much more energizing than whether or not I have to wash dishes. Right. So you got to think, wh- what do you value? And then you've got to put your time into what you value. And, you know, moms of young ones, Take 20 minutes. It's amazing what can happen in your marriage when you give your spouse, you know, and we've got husbands and wives. You take 20 minutes and just dedicate that to your spouse without your phone, without your iPad, without the TV, and your marriage will change. I promise it. And and one thing that Elise and I have done and we, we continue to do is that we put these time blocks on our calendar. Okay. We just have to. I mean, this week alone, we, we do once a week, we do our coffee break. And that's about an hour long session where Elise and I get away. And we have this list of, of questions we ask each other and we go over our, our lives and what's coming up in the, the coming week. And it's during that time that we'll sit down and we'll look at our calendars and we're going to go, okay, you know, Tuesday night after coaching calls, we're going to just get up and we're going to go do our walk and talk. It's going to be 30 minutes and we're going to roll. And we'll put those on the calendar. Coffee break is on the calendar. We make sure that these pieces are on our calendar, just like if we were going to have an appointment or a meeting with a doctor, uh, an attorney, uh, a business associate, maybe even a friend that we're going to go grab lunch with because that relationship to us is important. The thing is, is that we got to follow through once it's on our calendar. Yes. And that's that's key. I mean, this past Tuesday, Elisa had coaching clients back to back. And then we had it on our calendar that we were going to go for a walk. And I had been, I I was at the point where I was like, I'm done with my day. I was chilling with my son and she came out and we were sort of mulling around for a little bit. Like, and finally I was like, are are we going to go do our walk? What are we doing? It's on our calendar. And she's like, yeah, yeah, let's go do it. And so it's, you know, putting it on there, but then making sure that we get it and we, we do it. Because yeah. honestly, if I have a if I have an appointment with the doctor that took me four months to get on, 
best believe it, I'm going to make it to the doctor. <laughs> yes. So why wouldn't I do that with my spouse? That's a really important point about scheduling time for relationships. So many people think that you need to be just spontaneous and things will just happen. And if they don't happen, then that's a reflection of their relationship. Whereas mm -hmm. I think you framed it really well to say, you know, we don't just turn up at the doctor's office and we don't just expect things to happen. We plan for them and we schedule them and then they do happen. Well, and you know, Melissa, you bring up such a good point because I think Hollywood has really fed into this myth of spontaneity, right? Because mm -hmm. everything looks, you know, like, oh, they just happened to meet and, and then, you know, it was happily ever after. And I tell people all the time, especially when I'm speaking, I'll be like, do you realize that that spontaneous scene that happens, you know, for five minutes in a movie has, you know, all of the actors, all of the crew, the makeup guys, the music guys, the, the catering crew, there's like 150 people at least involved in that spontaneous scene. <laughs> right. The Good writing. point. <laughs> yes. And you want that in your life and it's just the two of you? I don't think so. <laughs> Get intentional. You don't have all those people planning your life. Right. Yeah. And, and can we bring up something like after our 60 days in sex challenge, people ask this all the time. They go, well, what did you do afterwards? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously it wasn't sustainable. I mean, that well, it wasn't for us. For us, it wasn't. Yeah. We, we've had folks in the one family. God bless their souls, man. They, they'll write into us and tell us they've done 90 days, 100 days. Ooh. By all means, yes. go for it. We love it. Honestly, go for it. Do your challenge. We don't care if it's a seven days or 30 days, 45, 60, 100, whatever works for you. For us, though, we realized that that's not sustainable, especially with where our kids were at the time, five and two. Mm -hmm. um, since then, we've done eight, seven days of sex challenges. We, we do that on a yearly basis. That's something that we love to do. But more importantly, what we do to stay intentional and with our sexual intimacy is we have what's called the intimacy lifestyle, okay. which is exactly what you're talking about. We schedule sex. Right. It's not spontaneous. It doesn't just poof happen. <laughs> yeah. We have a plan for it so that it does happen. And it's ebbed and flow over the years. I think we've been doing it now for eight years. I think. Eight years now. Well, and I want to say it is a combination of spontaneity and scheduling. Okay. Because what we've done is, you know, Tony and I sat down and said, you know, how many days a week do we want to have sex? Like what works into our lifestyle, what works into our sexual appetites and things like that. And for us, it was twice a week okay. minimum. And so what we did is we took, you know, three days each. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are Tony's days. Wednesday, Thursday and Friday are my days. Saturday can either be, you know, an off day or a bonus day, depending on what's going on. Uh -huh. And so within each of our three days, we have we have the freedom within our structure to be as spontaneous as we want to, you know, leave flowers in the bedroom or to send that great text message that says, I'm thinking about you and me tonight or to, you know, figure out, okay, we have no kids in the house for, you know, one hour, ready, set, go. Yes. You know, so we, we have that spontaneity within a structured frame. Mm -hmm. So it allows for, you know, those people that are like, well, I just want it to be spontaneous. Right. Okay. Well, you can have that, but let's be intentional about your spontaneity. Right. Uh, that makes that makes total sense. So we've got these encouraging ideas and we've got like I, I really want to do this. And there's often one person in the relationship who who gives a lot of time to the kids, perhaps. And they're the ones that are putting the relationship perhaps on the back burner. What are some ways that they can do to change that dynamic and actually take action? Well, first and foremost, it goes back to what I said earlier is what is the legacy that you're leaving? 
Mm -hmm. right? Because if you look, and I said this to, I actually said this to a husband yesterday on a coaching call. I said, you know, when you look at the life that your grandchildren are going to lead, are they going to be in a family where they understand that mom and dad love each other? Are they going to be in a family that's kid centric? Because when, when you don't put your spouse first and it becomes all about the kids, the reality is, is that if we do our jobs well, our kids leave somewhere, you know, 18 to 20 years after they're born and we still have to have this marriage relationship, yes. right? Yeah. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're, we're kind of on the downhill slide. You know, we've got one that, you know, within four years, we'll be leaving our house Four and a half years. We'll be leaving our house. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. Yeah. And you know, our relationship has to be strong. So for those of you that are kind of like, oh, I don't have time or, you know, we've got all these things to do again, 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day, you know, understanding the fact that you needed this person and you wanted this person before the kids came along. Yeah. So don't just kick them to the curb because you have these little ones and it becomes conversations. I mean, I work with this with a lot of my coaching clients where it's figuring out what does their time look like, right? Where can we find those pockets during the day so that everybody can actually just fall into bed at night and go to sleep? How can we bring romance back into the relationship? Because a lot of times when the primary caregiver isn't feeling that affectionate or, you know, that desiring of intimacy, it's because they haven't been romanced in a really long time. Right. You know, and it becomes the chicken and egg scenario. Like who's going to go first? I'm like, well, somebody has to go first (laughs) to break this, but it's amazing how a little romance can start to change the dynamic. It's amazing how finding a babysitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm like, find a babysitter, reach out to churches, reach out to mommy groups, reach out to, you know, your local hospital, find someone that you trust with your children And then, you know, if you're paying for the babysitter and and finances are tight, then just pack a picnic and go sit at your local park. Yeah. That's a date. Yeah. Go get an, you know, don't go out for a full dinner. Just go get an ice cream cone. You know, you don't have to spend money to spend time together. Right. So you were saying that we now need to do something and, you know, people are listening and thinking, okay, I really want to do something, but I haven't done something in a, a really long time. And maybe they've decided we're not going to talk about the kids when we're together. And then they realize there's nothing else to talk about because they just have no other conversation. What can we do to encourage other conversations to start other than just talking about the kids when we go on dates or do other things? We got a great free resource. Uh, It's called Our Six Questions. And folks can pick it up at OurSixQuestions.com. It's a fantastic way to get that conversation started without having to talk about your kids. Right. Right. Because even Elisa and I fall into that same trap at times between sports and school and other activities that we're like, okay, enough about the kids. It's like, we need to, you know, practice what we preach. So get, go grab our six questions. Let's, let's talk about these again. It's almost like what's happened with our coffee break as well, because that's not a lot about the kids. I mean, there's probably 19 questions we answer each and every week. And I think one or two of them is about the kids. Mm-hmm. The, the rest of them are about Elisa and I, our lives, what's going on. And so it, it's a, it's a wonderful time to just be able to connect again without having that. So I would just, you know, folks just grab it. Our six questions.com. And that'll at least get you started on that path. And I would say too, cut yourself a little bit of slack. If you've only been talking about the kids for a long time and you go out and you're like, we're not going to talk about the kids. And then you have this panic attack of going, we have nothing to talk about. 
Okay. Yeah. Set a timer. Yeah. yeah. You've probably gone out with your phone, which will be a podcast for another day when we talk about taking <laughs> the phone on me. But you, you've got the timer on there because you, or you've got your phone because you want to be in touch with your babysitter should anything happen. So set the timer and go, okay, we can talk about the kids for 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. when the timer goes off, now we're going to talk about us or we're going to talk about our dreams. Or we're going to talk about these other things. But give yourself, I mean, your parents, give yourself a little bit of grace and, you know, get caught up on the kids, but then put that to bed for the rest of the time that you're together. Yeah, that's great advice to be able to do that. I think we do have to kind of grow into it and not be afraid of the silences that happen as you're trying to process what to say and what to do because, you know, sometimes it's just a decompression from the day. You've had so many things going on and now you can sit comfortably in each other's silence and but you can also want to talk as well and, and connect and so it can be really tricky. Yeah. Well, and you know, as parents we are on 24 seven. We're yes. making decisions literally from the time that somebody either cries, calls for us or is sweet enough to come in and wake us up on their own. Right. So yeah. we're, we're on. And so to have that silence, you know, if you're out on a date or you're just grabbing a coffee together where nobody is hanging on you, nobody <laughs> is asking you for something, nobody is calling mommy or daddy, you know, incessantly over and over and over again. Yeah there's a lot of restoration that can happen in the two of you just sitting in silence and holding hands right? and, and just being fully present. I'm not saying on your phone. I'm just saying being fully present with one another yeah. in the silence. It's very healing. Yeah. yeah. Elisa and I have done that many a times when we'll go out to the beach or um, we'll be out for a weekend. We'll leave our phones behind. And some of the most memorable times I have of us together are those moments when we're honestly just looking over a cliff, looking at the waves and just holding our hands, right. you know, in Laguna beach, uh, in La Jolla. I mean, we live in San Diego folks. So yeah, we're, we're truly blessed. <laughs> yeah. We're truly blessed with some amazing places. Um, and, and don't, and I'm not trying to make it sound like we go do this every week. Oh no, we don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking about like the, the Laguna beach memory that comes to mind was on our 15th anniversary. And that's five years ago. Yeah. So, and, and we've grown a, a ton in five years, but I just remember just sitting on this park bench, just overlooking the waves and just not really saying anything to each other. Just, just sitting there, just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I want to go to the, the time that you mentioned earlier um, in this interview about your son leaving the house at 18 that time when you know that well, not necessarily 18. I'm not, I don't want to push him out the door now. But that time when we look forward to what our children are going to do and achieve that mm -hmm. time for many couples is a difficult time because once their children or last children start leaving, they realize that they don't have as much in common with each mm -hmm. other. And you clearly are looking forward to that time and are, are setting things up so that you'll have a different experience than that. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of, of why you're doing that? Well, we're doing that because we've seen so many of our friends, so many of our peers who have gotten to that point, And it's exactly what you've described. You know, they're looking at each other and everything has been about the kids. And they, you know, the last one gets ready to, you know, like that senior year in high school and they're looking at each other going, what do we do after this? And we knew 
that we had started down that path. Both of our kids play sports. We spend a lot of time on sports fields and shuttling kids around to creative activities and things like that. And so we said, you know what? We don't want to be that couple. And so we started, you know, it started with going, where do, what do we want to explore, right? What are those things that we want to do that maybe we'd put on hold when the kids were little? But, you know, case in point, our 20th anniversary is coming up. We actually celebrated it in June with a trip to Peru. We went to nice. Machu Picchu. Yeah. And that was something where we had identified this, you know, back in year three, this was something that we wanted to do. It's taken us 17 years to get there, which, you know, for all of those of you that have dreams that haven't been realized yet, they can yeah. still come true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you start getting intentional about your time, when you start saying, you know what, do we want to travel more? Do we want to explore restaurants together? Do we, do we like to road trip or camp or, you know, go to the theater? What is it that we like to do as a couple? And maybe at the onset, you're looking at that question. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. All right. We'll start throwing out ideas. I mean, there's, there's all different kinds of, you know, wherever you live, you can go onto your cities, you know, things to do in and around the area and, you know, print it out and go, okay, what are we going to explore this weekend? Because when you were courting, when you were dating, there was an endless supply of things that you'd want to do or say, or, or, you know, spend time doing. Yeah. Well, after you get past this, you know, children in your home years, I'm not going to say that child rearing ever ends, but the <laughs> yes. children in your home, <laughs> you have all of this time. And we're, we're on the front end of that because we're, you know, as our children get older and we can leave them home by themselves and we're like, Hey, we're just going to go off tonight. You know, like there's an art show that we're going to go to this weekend. And you know, that type of thing, it's going, what, what causes us to get excited? And how can I share that? You know, in my case, how can I share that with Tony? You know, honey, I want to go check this out. Okay, let's go do it. And, and as you do that, you're fostering new memories that are just the two of you. Because you have to have those memories because if everything, folks, if everything in your marriage revolves around your children, then the devastation that comes when you've actually equipped them to leave and they do, <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I will be sad when our kids go off to college. Like yeah. I, I'm, you know, it, it's just, it'll just be a transition. But Tony and I are already like, okay, <laughs> when the youngest goes off, where you're know, like, what's going to be our summer trip that year? Like we're going to send her off to college and then it's going to be like, where are we going? Yeah. You know? And some people look at us and they laugh. They're like, are you kidding me? And I go, no, because our kids know that we're preparing them yeah. to mm -hmm. go have their own lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Our kids know that, that our job as parents is to equip them to be human, you know, adult human beings that can function in the world without us. Yeah. And so we've got to show them, we have a responsibility to show our kids what a healthy marriage looks like. And a healthy marriage involves investing in the marriage and in each other and in the things that we like to do, not just, you know, kid parties and kid sports and, you know, kid friends sleepovers and, kid, you know, to get right. the point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's during this time, too, that we foster friendships outside of our kids. Like, you got to have friends that are not attached to your kids. Um, Elise and I will always say, find friends of the same sex. Like, I'm looking for other guy friends, guys mm -hmm. that I can go hang out with, guys that I can meet up with. You know, that may be through your local church, a local organization. It may be through a mastermind, uh, a business organization, whatever that may be, yeah. fosters those relationships as well, because those are those are those friendships that you're going to have after the kids leave. And I've seen this in my own folks. You know, I've been out of the house for many, many years now, but I love it when I call my dad now 
who's approaching 70, I think it is now, and I'm calling him and he has his buddies over for lunch. Great, yeah. You, you know? Yeah. And, and he was doing that even after I left and my brother left. Yeah. And so it's having those friendships as well that allow you to go do some other things. Yeah. I think for us as, as kids, when we look, see what our parents are doing and how they're surviving, it gives us a sense of security as well. We, we don't have to worry so much about what's happening to them. And I would like to think that as my kids grow older and, and leave, that they don't have to worry about, you know, what's mom going to do without me being there? You know? Right. <laughs> they know that, oh, I know she's going to be doing yeah. this on this day and she's going to be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's one of the biggest gifts that we can give to our kids is the security of our relationship and the security of knowing that, you know, we've spent their entire childhood still working on our marriage. Yeah. Right. It didn't yeah. end when they were born. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's that's really when the when the kids come. That's when the real work starts in the marriage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to touch on something here. There's been a lot of um, really great suggestions and encouragement that you've given us. You guys work together and run a business together and do lots and lots of things together. How do you remain so intimate when you have to spend so much time together? Oh man, I think sometimes that's <laughs> that, that. It almost it has to be like shift. It, it, for me anyways, it, it honestly has to be like, I need to get out of business mode. I need to get out of kid mode and I need to, I need a shift, especially when it comes to sexual intimacy. Right. And we've learned over the years with us is that it starts off slow because we're both at a sort of a decompression stage. And so we don't get frustrated with the, with ourselves in that, in those moments we're, 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 we're cognizant of it. We realize it. If it, if it extends out, if it's going on too long, then it, it may mean that we need to just clear up the mind space. So we need to talk more than foreplay more at that moment. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think for me, it's, it's where we have to allow ourselves some time to decompress, um, and giving ourselves that time and, and knowing what it is. When I say decompress, I don't mean we're decompressing for 24 hours here. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, uh, no, that, that's highlights version, cliff notes version. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, for me, it's one of those things too, where, you know, it's understanding how important our physical and sexual intimacy is to each one of us that it's a vital part of our marriage. And so it's making space for it. You know, when I talked about earlier about being intentional, and we talked about the intimacy lifestyle, then it becomes, okay, how can I, how can I set the stage through the day? How can I, you know, romance doesn't just happen when the two of you are naked and jumping into bed or in bed and getting naked. You know, there's, right. there's a lot of, you know, creating an environment, creating an ambiance that you can do literally starting from the minute you wake up and roll over and, you know, do a morning kiss or prepare the morning coffee or leave a post-it note if you're the first one out the door saying, hey, thinking about you this morning and it brought a smile to my face. Okay, mm -hmm. if somebody wakes up and gets that message, I'm telling you the romance level just skyrocketed and it's not even the first cup of coffee yet. Right. Right, because all of a sudden you're like, oh, or it's the text message during the day or it's, you know, you come home and your favorite flower is sitting on the counter or, you know, you look and she bought your favorite brand of ice cream just because, Right. It's yeah. all those little things. And then all of a sudden when it's when you actually get that time, whether it's, you know, you're going to have sex or you're just going to be together. There have been all of all of these little actions 
that are yeah. culminating in the space for the two of you to just be like, okay, you know what? It's you and me. And, you know, thank you for my ice cream and thank you for my post-it note. And, and that sense of gratitude really, you know, transforms the bedroom into just being one more thing on the to-do list to being a time for the two of you to really encounter one another. This has been a fantastic topic to chat with you guys with. And I think I could talk with you all for hours and hours <laughs> about all these things um, because it's really interesting um, to talk about. And especially as parents, we have our focus on the kids so much, but we have to remember our relationships. I mean, the kids wouldn't have been about if we didn't have that relationship to start with, right? Right, so, exactly. <laughs> and we have to keep a focus. And, I, and I've loved all the things that you've talked about. And so where can people go to find out more about you guys and to get some more of these great resources? Yeah, so just come on over to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. You can come here. You can find uh, our podcast. You can find our articles. You can find uh other resources that we offer. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing so deeply. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a great one. Today we've been talking to Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo from OneExtraordinaryMarriage.com about maintaining relationships, marriage, and the art of balancing kids, the spouse, and not forgetting yourself. Thank you for being on the show today, and I'll be right back after this short break. Hi, this is Jennifer McGrail from JenniferMcGrail.com, The Path Less Taken, and you're listening to Melissa from RaisingPlayfulTots.com. Wasn't that great stuff? When you want to go on an overseas holiday or buy a new car, we have some sort of discussion about it. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What size car? Do we need a van? If you want your family to be a Montessori family or follow the Waldorf philosophy, unschool or homeschool, there's a time when you have a serious conversation about how that is going to look in your house. What will it cost? What will we be doing differently? However, there are lots of smaller parenting and family issues that come up all the time that need that same parent interaction about it. If only to have a united front, but also because, let's face it, we all have strong opinions. We want to have an input in what's going on inside of our family. Should we have paid contributions or offer no money at all? Should we do homework first and then school activities? Sometimes they seem like small little matters, but often your spouse, your partner and you aren't on the same wavelength about these things and we need unity in the family. So many little but significant things that you and your spouse are likely to have different opinions on. We've been using the weekly marriage and family meeting set of questions for quite a while now as a way to bring up ideas we want to try out with our family and to keep together as two partners that want to be connected. As a big podcast listener, I wanted to share with my husband the nuggets that I'd been hearing. I wanted to share the books that I had been dipping into and talk to him about things I wanted to implement in the family. My husband wants to do the same. He has things that he hears on the radio as he's traveling to work, things that people talk about at work that he wants to share and see whether that works for our family. The books that he dips in and out of as well. We get together for and bring our ideas about 
um, all of the things that we're doing. We wanted it to be a positive thing. Often when we get together and talk, it's easy to get into that downward spiral of complaining about how the kids are and complaining about how life is. But we wanted to bring the ideas that we had to share it and try new ideas. We wanted to bring our ideas and talk about what's on our heart, our family. We talk marriage and relationships and parenting and family all in that same meeting because we need to meet the needs of ourselves as a couple and we need to meet the needs of our family. So now on purpose, we are talking as a unit together about our unit. We're nurturing our relationship and building our family together. No more one person running off with wild ideas and the other person not knowing what's going on or even feeling left out. We have a chance to be able to talk about it, air it, think about it, let out our feelings about it and grow together. You can download your copy of our marriage and family meeting questions at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash marriage family questions. So that's raisingplayfultots.com marriage family questions. So now it's your turn. How do you communicate with your spouse about relationships and family? What are your thoughts on the interview that we had today? Does any of that relate to you? I'd love to hear from you. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode or share your ideas in the Facebook group. Thanks for being here today. I know there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. I hope that something I have said has triggered you to investigate something more and helps you make a decision for your wonderful family. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to find the show. Show notes for today's show with links are at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 194. That's the number 194. While you're there, you can get the fortnightly Raising Playful Tots note that has some encouragement and ideas on our journey of intentional simple parenting and simple play. See you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 194. Come over and play next week. Until then... Find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.